But from dusk till dawn was a she was a vampire, and I think that that doesn't count. Welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 25. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this very podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as is the case every week, is my good friend... Matt Runquist. Hey, Travis. How you doing? This week, I watched the movie The Hitman's Body. Bodyguard, and you listened to classic Tegan and Sarah album The Con. Yes, and uh, and I'm I guess it's pretty um, safe to say that we both do both each week pretty regularly, <gasps> right? That is true. We do try to stay up on what we're going to talk about. Yeah, in fact, one of the reasons I did assign this to you, and I'll talk about this later, is that I kind of wanted to revisit it. Uh, you know, the the I wanted to. I wanted to see Hitman's Bodyguard again. I can believe that. I can believe that because I could definitely imagine uh, coming out of the movie watching experience, not exactly sure what kind of movie I had watched, but we'll talk more about that later. Uh We'll talk about that later. How was your week? My week was pretty good, pretty quiet except for work. I So as you know, I was out for quite some time uh, on FMLA for my wife's surgery, and I was slammed this week at work. I had a lot to FMLA? do. Family Medical Leave Act. Oh, yes. got it, got it. In 1994, okay. uh, Bill Clinton signed the FMLA, which uh, ensured that a company couldn't fire you for leaving to take care of a family member or getting pregnant it. or that and sort of thing. And you can't just say, I was out on FML. FML, <laughs> FML that's, I mean, it's a different thing, and it also puts you out of work, but... Uh-huh. But your job... That's what you say when you are when you become out of work. Yeah, when, nah, you, FML. when your job is not protected by law. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, so work was busy to kind of make up for the time. Work was extremely busy this week. So I was busy with that. Uh, everything else around the house is good. Dogs are good. The weather has been hot and humid here in Wisconsin. I have heard. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but uh, the storms came through last night, and it's much cooler now. So that's good. It's been lovely here in California. It's literally like low seventies most of the days. Uh, evenings very nice and cool, so you know, open the windows, get some fresh air, and uh, it's just been delightful. And walking Coco. Now hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. You're telling me that in Southern California, in one of the most famously beautiful climates on the entire planet, the weather. Have we not done this before? <laughs> the weather has been good. Yeah, well, it does get hot here, you know. During the summer, it gets beastly uh, up in the hundreds, oh, and my. so it, we just haven't gotten it there. And it's it's interesting to me that Wisconsin is so hot right now, already in June. Yeah, and uh, we haven't gotten there here. We usually don't get to the really beastly hot temperatures until August, September. I like that sometimes into October. I like that you've added the word beastly to your vocabulary. That's a keeper. Oh yeah, well it definitely does get that way. Now, it is a a dry heat, which is really nice because in Wisconsin, one of the things that I hated was that when it gets hot, it is also humid and you cannot escape it. Shade does nothing for you. Going inside if you don't have air conditioning does nothing for you. And so you lay in bed at night just dripping with sweat, just praying for death. And um, 
<laughs> but here, if you can find shade, it helps a lot. And at night, when the sun goes down, the temperature drops like 15 degrees immediately. So it's um, it's quite nice. So, yeah. and, and there are only a few weeks of the year where the temperature at night stays above 70 degrees. Okay. You know? So usually it'll drop below a temperature that is then kind of comfortable and cooling things off. So, yeah, I, I like L.A. It's one of the reasons I moved back. Nice. Well, uh, do tell us about the rest of your week. Fairly uneventful, actually. We, uh, we are, uh, one thing I mentioned last week was that I was running for the board of directors of my, uh, my acting group, which is a nonprofit company called The Collaborative. And um, we are now in elections. So elections started yesterday. I am one of five people running for four board seats, two people rerunning for their old seat, and two people uh, did not opt to rerun, so three or two new seats available um, and three new people for that. So uh, we'll see. Now, it, it is interesting that uh, I did notice that the ballot was listed in alphabetical oh, order, no. which is usually not a good thing for me, uh-huh. my last name starting with an R, yeah. and they usually never are my first name, but my first name is also very late in the alphabet, but... Everybody except for one person had last names that started with S or later. You're kidding. So wow. my my R put me in the second spot, which I think is a good thing. I think that's for, a very uh, good in this thing. Case. Yeah, I uh, I spent a lot of time in gym class standing on the left end of the gym waiting to waiting quite a while to go. Yeah, you so, know, fellow fellow R, R yeah. <laughs> R's unite. R's unite. <laughs> <laughs> so, but other than that, it's been a pretty chill week. I, I, the strike is still going on, so I'm not working, waiting for my show to start back up again. And it looks like the actors are, I mean, I, they're negotiating, but we really don't know anything about the state of negotiations for the uh, Screen Actors Guild. But the uh, all expectations are that if the producers aren't giving the writers what they want. They're not going to get the actors what they want. So we may end up having a strike ourselves. Interesting. Next Interesting. Week. Well, yeah. uh, as always, I wish you all the best. Solidarity to every Thanks. union member out there. So Thank you. And um, But other than that, it's my birthday week this week coming up. <gasps> You're so, kidding. Uh, I don't have any plans, which bums me out just a bit. I wish there was – I wish I would, uh, so hopefully I'll be able to report that I did something cool for my birthday. What, but, uh, what, what day is your birthday? The 29th uh-huh. on Thursday. My dog's birthday is on the 27th. My <laughs> nephew's birthday is on the 28th, but I guess it's all just leading up to your birthday on the 29th. Yeah, it's just a warm-up, warm-up. All so, right. yeah. My, one of my good friends here in L.A. has a birthday on the 28th, and we're thinking about doing something, but mm-hmm. my, my 28th is actually pretty full of stuff. I, I finally have an appointment to the podiatrist, and uh, so we, I've, I've got some stuff to do. Awesome. Anyway, um, but yeah, not enough to report on. I'd say let's get into the meat. Let's get into the meat of the episode. Add some gravy to it. Have yourself a dinner. All right. Oh, let's... that sounds like a like a shepherd's pie of an episode Ooh, to me. A shepherd's pie of an episode. Well, let's uh, change things up a little. Talk about the music first. The music? We shall shake it up and do the music. Shake it up. I, you know what? Switch things up. I, I realized as I was listening to our conversation last week is that Shake it up. We talked about how like three different songs are famously shaking something yes. up. Yes. 
And so, uh, so I, I, I think that's you're, one good reason to do shake it up. You're gonna try to stick with shake it up. All right. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make fetch happen and uh, stay with shake it up. Excelente. Well, I am gonna talk to you just a little bit about the music for this week. So, uh, there is a indie pop duo out of Canada named Tegan and Sarah. They are twin sisters who started making music together in their teens. And their fifth studio album, I think, is a real career high point for them. It's called The Con. Really? Yep. I, I love this album to death. They have actually done a pretty wide variety of music, all sort of in the pop genre. They started out very much indie rock, guitar, bass, drums, and... Uh, vocals and i knew there was another one and uh they <laughs> oh the singing <laughs> they've always stuck with sort of that theme but they've gotten they've added more electronic instruments they've gotten a little dancier as i've told you last week uh the song everything is awesome from the lego movie is by tegan and sarah that's a very electronic song obviously but this album is a little more uh guitar bass drums indie rock and i Love it. It is the I said last week that it was their second album. That was totally wrong. It is actually their fifth album. Yeah. That's what I thought. Like yeah. I was about to ask you that because I thought you said it was their sophomore album. Yeah, I really, really thought it was, but I uh, apparently I'm not up on my early Tegan and Sarah, and uh, so I was just flat wrong. But yeah, fifth studio album. I love this album to death, uh, and I'd like to know. I I'd like to introduce it to you. What do you think? Well, gosh, Matt, uh, I will say without too much preamble that uh, this is one of uh, one of the high points of recent um, albums that you've shared with me. I there 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 is very little to not like on on from these guys, the, these girls, women, <laughs> lady folk. <laughs> I uh, females. They, <laughs> they are uh no i their talent is undeniable uh when you listen to these uh this album it is their songwriting skill is very clear and uh i really liked it i i i'm i'm not sure that it's that it's strictly my like favorite kind of music necessarily but I don't. I couldn't really put a finger on why. One of the things that I did like so much about the things that I talk about every week that I really like in in, in uh, musical acts are lyrics that are easy to understand, uh, well differentiated musical instruments, the mix of music and lyrics, and 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 uh, and and. Listen, do you remember when we were listening to Haim and I said yeah. that they were overproduced yes I do uh, there very was well. just like yeah. there was too many ingredients in the in the pan mm -hmm. right i thought that tegan and sarah do ingredients perfectly so there were there were it was definitely produced they they, they throw kind of a lot of stuff in there it's very complex mm -hmm. but in a good way in a way that like Mozart is complex. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on, but it all is purposeful and means something. And so uh, I really appreciated that listening to them. And I liked it better the second time through, for sure, uh, because I think the first time through was almost a little confusing to my brain. Mm. It was kind of such a lot going on. Sure. And each song is different and and, and kind of unique. Um, 
their singing style is 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 not usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I uh, I kind of appreciated that. Um, yeah, I I I I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Haim, and, and of course last week we had Interpol, and this is very much in that same vein of like guitar-based indie pop, right? And it's not actually historically something you've really latched onto, even though a lot of, like you've said, a lot of the elements are things that sort of individually you you do dig. Um, but right. yeah, Tegan and Sarah, and I and I will say especially this album, at least for me, I think they really got the mixture of elements right on this in terms of mm-hmm. like hooks do you, you know what hooks are right they're like yeah 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 and uh so musically you can like, explain it for our audience yeah for those musically of, those they're of... like those little phrases that co- sort of get stuck in your brain and every every song doesn't necessarily need a hook but certainly in pop music you want one or two hooks per song that sort of help your brain know like what song this is and where it's going and they they mm-hmm. there's like just a little bit of hookiness in this it's very it's like upbeat without being like rushed or or fast or anything there are there are dynamics changes there's slow songs there's fast songs it's it's really quite a lovely lovely piece of work and then you know the song back in your head uh to me is the standout song of the album it's uh about uh, uh, the end of a relationship or or a lost relationship, and it's really really beautiful. Uh, I suppose I should mention both of the sisters are uh, queer. They're both in lesbian relationships. One of them is one of them just had a child. I believe it's Sarah had a had a child last year. So they performed at Summerfest uh, last week. An interesting theme for the podcast, and not in any way intentional, but uh, I didn't see them, but a friend of mine went to go see them. He said they were fantastic. And it's funny, they're not that old, but they have been doing this for 25 years now. Their first album came wow. or they, uh, they've, I think their first album came out in 1998. Uh, they've been recording and producing these things since they were 18 years old. So these are very um, experienced performers at this point, so... I highly recommend going wow. to see a Tegan and Sarah show. They're a lot of fun. So just a little bit younger than, than we are. Yeah. And I and I think you pegged it right there with, uh, I think the type of music is maybe not my favorite uh, style. Um, and I will also say that you, when you were talking about your favorite song, I realized that I, I couldn't pick a favorite song from this album. And it's not because they were all the same because they're not but i think it might be because they are all they were all similar in their quality right uh which is a good thing but none of them stood out to me on the first or second time through sure and i think this is you know as always right this is one of those things where as you listen to it more you start to understand the lyrics more you really get Mm -hmm. into it and i think the lyrical themes are probably what are gonna resonate with you or make a particular song stand out as like oh this is my favorite rather than musically oh yeah this is the this is the best chorus or whatever right yeah yeah and i did enjoy i did enjoy the singing uh you know as as we know i listen to these on my on my 
AirPods. Uh, so I've got the music right in my ear. And it was it, it was easy to appreciate the singing, which wasn't... The singing isn't the focus here, right? It's Their focus is songwriting and and everything that entails where like if you listen to an Adele it's the singing right mm-hmm. whereas these two um are really the whole package yeah right so uh, so that I appreciated too um but yeah I, I I could definitely see myself listening to to more of of these guys I thought it was fun and uh I I'd be open to exploring more of them so if you you know felt like Ooh. assigning me a a different album in the future. Uh, yeah, I'd be open to that. They had a they had an album a couple of years ago called Closer that was pretty darn good as well. Again, for me, not uh, not on the same level as this one, but it is it is probably my favorite album of theirs since this one. So, and mm. and it's only it's only I think two or three years old. So, you know, it's interesting. I I did have a thought while I was listening to these guys, uh, and I keep saying guys, but obviously I'm not. I don't mean that in any other way than just a general way. Um, but I I remember thinking how grateful I was to be exposed to Aww. this. You know, I've never heard of them. And, and, and I think it's not just these guys, it's not just Tegan and Sarah <laughs> in uh, specifically, but it's also in general, I really appreciate this project and being exposed to um, uh, music that I... I feel like I'm growing as a person Whoa. this year. Yeah. And uh and I really appreciate that. Like here coming into here we are coming into my th- 46th birthday. Wow. And uh and so it's it's kind of nice to me that here I am still growing and uh I I owe that I owe a big part of that to you. So Oh, thank that you. is that is really sweet, Travis. Thank you so much. I, yeah. I, I don't want to end the episode, but you know, I feel the same way, <laughs> right? But I'm not going to say the catchphrase. But yeah, sure, absolutely, sure. absolutely. So, so yeah, go ahead. I don't know that I have a lot more to say uh, in in evaluation of Tegan and Sarah, but um, I mean, I, I I feel like I haven't been talking very long about them, but I do recommend them to people. And I definitely would. Uh, I, I I feel like I am better for having heard them. Awesome. You know, as Kevin's kind of metric, uh, if we use that metric to Ooh. evaluate things. On the Kevin scale. Yeah. <laughs> the Kevin well, scale. let's rate things on the exposing ourselves scale first. Uh, would you? What are you? What are you going to give this for a number? So I I thought I thought about this a lot and and I do tend to think about this while I'm listening to you know these these albums and playlists and I originally I was gonna do a six because it's not quite my music but uh, but it's definitely the talent is there and I could definitely see it but I, I think it deserves more from me and uh, I think especially on the second time through I was able to appreciate it more so I'm gonna bump that up to a seven. Um, very solid, very, uh, you know, quality stuff. And if I, if it were more type, my type of music, I would probably rate it higher. You know, it's just the score reflects me more than them. Well, that is totally fair for me. This absolutely is my kind of music. And I think, you know, what's coming. This is actually one of my top 10 favorite albums of all time. As I've told you before, I ranked 
uh, all my all the albums that I had uh, a few years ago, and this one was I think it might have been the only thing after the year 2000 to make it into my top ten. Uh, now this is seven or eight years ago, and there's probably a couple other albums that would sneak in there now. But anyways, point being, yeah, this is a ten for me. This is a perfect album, wow. perfect perfect wow. piece okay. of pop guitar uh, singing. I love it, absolutely love it. So that's a ten. That's interesting. You know, and this makes me... One of the things that's come about from this project of ours is that I have I have been able to disconnect my need for you to love a thing that I love. And I feel like you have already kind of been there. You've, <laughs> you've been better about that than I have. But uh, I, I think back to our Spider-Man debacle. And... Um, <laughs> I it's this things like this where it's clear this is your favorite thing and it's not my favorite thing but that's okay and I'm grateful to having been exposed to it make me want to assign you some of my very favorite movies that I know you won't like but just to have you watch some of them yeah um but we'll see if we'll see how that happens. Well, I'm always up for anything. And listeners, if you do want to go back and listen to the Spider-Man debacle, it's episode seven from season one. Good memory. Good memory. So um, anyway, yeah. So a seven from me and a 10 from you. That's uh, it's pretty solid. That's pretty like solid. It. All right. What do you what did I have to watch this week, Travis? I made you watch The Hitman's Bodyguard and I did that because it was a it's a similar movie to the to the movie we watched last week uh with the uh the the Kingsman um or Kingsman the Secret Service and the reason being it's this is a action film with some comedy in it but uh what i remembered watching from watching it in the theaters was that it was it was a solid action movie and the comedy was was uh more of a more of a flavoring than having it be an action comedy right and uh, and it's by Patrick Hughes, who is not someone I was aware of as a director before this. And uh, it stars Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. This is Ryan Reynolds after his breakout with uh, Deadpool, where he became like superstar Ryan Reynolds. And uh, of course, Samuel L. Jackson has always been, uh, I mean, has been big for decades. And it also has Gary Oldman as the, uh, as the, you know, European dictator character that he originated in uh, Air Force One, uh, but uh, coming back for that and being very Gary Oldman-y. And it also had Selma Hayek as Samuel L. Jackson's wife, who is just the, uh, just the, I, I don't know, it's a role that I haven't really seen Selma Hayek play before, where she is sexy and demure, but also completely badass and dangerous as a character. Have you not seen from from Dusk Till Dawn? <sighs> but from Dusk Till Dawn was a she was a vampire and I think uh, that that okay. doesn't count. <laughs> right? Okay, okay. I love From Dusk Till Dawn. That was her breakout role by the way. That was her first feature film and um I think it was uh, I think it's brilliant. But I think that she I don't know. I she was more sweary and more just uh, just filthy in this, like 
potty mouthed and uh, and all that stuff, but like in such a delightful way. Uh, so this movie, I don't know. I just remember leaving it and had a and having had a delightful time watching it. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you watch it was because I saw the hitman's wife's bodyguard. Uh, boy, 2001, it came out in theaters. So this would have been the end of 2001, like when theaters were just starting to reopen. And I saw that, I think I got a, a an AMC, you know, A-list membership for my birthday for like six months. And so I was seeing a lot of movies. And I went to that movie with some friends of mine and I was hating it. And not only was I hating the experience, but I was also aghast at my friends positive reactions like they were cackling in their seats next to me and i was looking at them going really you like this and it made me wonder it made me wonder if i would still like the original like was it something is something did something in me change like during the pandemic did covid change me somehow and my sense of humor or did the movie change and now that i've rewatched this movie I think that the movie changed um, because one of the things watching it that I really liked is that the comedy comes from the characters. It's not a comedy. It's it's the characters kind of being real in their and and, and it's their uh, it's their natural like state to be snarky and and kind of snipping at each other. And it just the the relationship between Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson is just funny, and um, because the 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 Gary Oldman character is not a funny character, like his villain is villainous, and he's on trial for like crimes against humanity, and so uh, none of that is funny. It's just the relationship and their and their conflict that is amusing to watch, and in the sequel, they went full comedy mm. and it doesn't work it doesn't work and the other thing that they do in the sequel is they go full on with the uh violence and the way that uh characters are experiencing bodily harm and it's this thing that Ryan Reynolds has kind of become known for part of with uh part of which is from Deadpool, where his character is literally invulnerable, like not invulnerable, but can heal from anything. And then also he did a movie called Free Guy, where he plays a video game character who is also essentially invulnerable because he's a video game character. And they tried to take that here so that Ryan Reynolds was like bouncing off of walls and experiencing massive bodily trauma, but just bouncing up from it. And I think that that comes from one scene in this movie where he is ejected from a car when the car is an accident and he's just sent through the front window and ends up kind of rolling and then into a standing, like into a stand. And the thing that's funny about that moment is not that he was ejected from a car and experienced bodily trauma. It's funny that he's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like... And both of them react like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just flew out the window and like had a just a miraculous kind of roll, tuck and roll into a standing position kind of, you know, uh, finish to that to that experience. Anyway, and I think that they took that and made it the whole movie in the sequel. So for that reason, <laughs> I was curious about coming back to this movie 
and seeing if it was actually funny. And I'm happy to say that it is. I really enjoyed rewatching this movie uh, quite a bit. And um, and so, yeah, what did you think? Um, I had a real mixed reaction to this movie. Um, it's working very hard at all times, you know? Like, the action is very action-y. The humor is very, very upfront. There, like, there's not a lot of subtle humor in this movie. Um, everybody's acting really hard. Uh, Gary Oldman, wow. It's funny, because there was a point about two-thirds of the way through the movie where I'm like, why did they cast Gary Oldman for this role? This is like (laughs) such a nothing role. And then all of a sudden he spends 10 minutes at the end just monologuing and doing evil guy stuff. And you're like, oh, this is why they cast Gary Oldman. Um, I got to mention the accent that he puts on that is just sort of like generically – sort of Slavic, but not exactly. It's like a Gary Oldman accent. Um, yeah. I, I Unless it it could actually, uh, this is me, right? This could be like a perfect Belarusian accent. I wouldn't know because I've never, I, as far as I know, I've never met a Belarusian, right? Uh, I assume their accent is similar to other Russians, uh, who, you know, pe- native speakers of the Russian language. Uh, but his his accent is very indistinct uh, in this in this movie. So, uh, but I don't yeah. I don't want to dwell on that or anything. It was just it felt like a weird choice. Um, so Ryan Reynolds uh, has reached that point in his career now where he plays Ryan Reynolds. Uh, he's mm-hmm. you know he does not disappear into this role at all. It's you you go and and that's. Like, for the actors that can achieve that level of fame, it's great for them because you go and you you get exactly what you – you know, you go to see Jack Black in a Jack Black film and you're you're not seeing the character. You're seeing Jack Black and that's fine, right? It makes Jack Black a lot of money and then he can go play video yeah. games and play music and do what he They're wants. They're what I right? call personality, actors, personality versus, actors versus a chameleon actor. Yeah. Um, you know, Sam Jackson is basically doing exactly the same thing here. Um, mm-hmm. the, to the extent that this movie didn't work for me, it's because everything was kind of at 10 all the time. Um, hmm. it, like the action scenes were just absolutely over the top and not in a, like a, a wow, I can't believe that they did that kind of way, but more in like a, Oh, come on. Really? Like, there's a speedboat just, like, screaming down the canals of Amsterdam, and somehow he's able to follow him on a motorcycle, and... Like, I don't want to get into the details of all the ridiculousness of the action scenes because, like, action scenes are inherently ridiculous, right? Like, they're inherently unlikely situations that... That right, wouldn't. Right. But there were. I spent so much of the action scenes in this movie going, okay, yeah, that's not that's not how any of that works. Like you know, and yeah, like really, you're yeah. not able to just disconnect your brain some, and some, enjoy it. Sometimes I am, and sometimes I'm not. Right, and I think that depends on the context in which the action is happening, and and you know how well it fits into the movie. Right, um, and I didn't. I I felt like. I the action team scenes were intense in a way that I I find difficult, right? They're 
there it's like whenever another guy needs to appear another guy needs to appear it's not like there's a sense of here's 20 guys we're working our way through the 20 guys it's well they've reached the end of this road and obviously there's guys there because they're there right like uh-huh. you know the, a lot of this stuff is happening in Amsterdam right there there's gun control in the Netherlands how did an arbitrarily large Belarusian paramilitary force make it into Amsterdam and operate with total freedom on the streets of Amsterdam. That feels like a problem to me, you know, like that, like a plot problem, right? There's like no explanation as to how, I mean, if I had to guess, there were 500 bad guys in this movie with, 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 with like heavy weaponry, right? How, how, right? It's not like this is like three guys. Maybe 50. They were like 50. I think you maybe. I'd be interested. To, I, I, I don't know what the body count is, but. I think you should probably look at the number of stuntmen. Uh, I'll bet you it's well over 50 stuntmen. Um, but, you know, like, I, I just have a hard time turning off my brain, right? Like, okay, so you've got this dictator and you're bringing a dictator to justice in front of the International Criminal Court. And not to be like uh, racist or anything, but like this is like an Eastern European dictator. This isn't like a guy from some un you know unnoticed part of the world that – uh, you know, we were finally able like he's not like a warlord from the jungle who had like a couple hundred followers like this is this is like we're you know, the implication here is like we're bringing in Putin or something. Right. So like it's sure. it's a big deal. Right. And somehow. Right. You know, but also the number of seconds on the clock matters. Right. Like. Right. <laughs> There's a roving gun battle across the city, but we're very concerned about whether or not it's 501 or 459. Like that feels that feels arbitrary to me. A little arbitrary, yeah. sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like maybe maybe some of us should be concerned about the roving gun battle. I don't know. You know, there's rocket launchers, there's helicopters, right? And I you know, so I, the, I again, I don't want to belabor the point. To me, the action scenes really strain credulity in a way that I was unhappy with. So we're going to put that aside. The relationship between Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson is fantastic. It's funny. There is, I didn't, I'm sure I didn't laugh as much as you did, but there were times when I did laugh out loud in this movie. Um, they bounce off I'm each other. I'm not sure that I ever did a lot of laughing out loud as, as more of, instead of just a, like a, appreciative like oh well, <laughs> like a nice head nod yeah it's ent- it's entirely possible i remember um, laughing once or twice i don't remember what about but yeah yeah um i i will say i did oh come on a lot more than i laughed out loud but <laughs> um but there were i felt like there were some real tonal problems with this movie like uh, i'm thinking specifically there's a case where ryan reynolds is choking a man to death with a chain then there's like a little jokey thing with these two people that he's literally murdering someone in front of right where he's like slide me the gun the guy's like no i don't want to slide you the gun and he's like come on slide me the gun thank you right and then 
And then he just shoots the guy on screen in a really gory way. Like, I as a person, like, I understand these are hitmen or hitmen's bodyguards. They're like brutal people who kill people. I don't know how much I want to watch a guy be like straight up executed on screen. Like, that felt really That's fair. That That's felt fair, really, but really I intense. think you do ca- I think you characterize that moment a little more jokily than it was. Like it is uh, I don't know. I thought that the the comedy was taken more seriously than that. Like the 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 guy not wanting to slide the gun is about the guy not wanting to be complicit in the, he he knows that if he slides the gun, right. it's going to be used to kill this guy. Yeah. And he he appropriately is horrified at that idea. Yeah. And, and but well, at the same time, Ryan Reynolds needs it in order to like survive. And so I feel like there's tension there that it, that you're not giving credit well, for. No, no, that tension is what I have a problem with. Like is this is this an appropriate place at all for any kind of a joke? I don't think so. But I also don't want to root for a guy who's just going to, like, you know, shoot the person that he's choking to death, right? Well, but I'll, and I'll give them credit. Like, his, he doesn't like to kill people. Like, his whole thing in, he's kind of forced to a point where he has to in order to succeed in this mission. Right. And if it were up to him, he would control all the variables to the point where he wouldn't have to kill anyone. Like he he thinks a mission where he has to kill someone is a failed mission. I get that. Right. Right. Uh which makes And yet. Which makes that scene even more of a weird choice. But um yeah. let's see, what else? Uh Selma Hayek is fantastic in this. Uh, but again, she's a character who I think so like I feel like the characterization of all these people is a little weak. Like, is Sam Jackson a loose cannon who will kind of do anything? Or is he the kind of guy who can successfully assassinate dozens of people and, you know, they're... And then the enough ancillary people that he claims to have killed over 250, right? Like, because... In this type of world, an assassin is a very, like, uh, I'm thinking of, like, the professional, right? You think of Jean Reno, the Mm -hmm. professional, and how he's, like, he controls all the variables. He's sort of, like, the assassin version of of Ryan Reynolds. But here's this guy who just, like, throws around, you know, he, like... He goes, he just sort of throws himself into situations and then somehow he magically, you know, gets gets what he wants and he tends to be very lucky yeah yeah he tends to be very lucky and i like i get from a characterization standpoint why that is the case but it also doesn't make a whole lot of sense right um i you know i like the sort of mortician gomez aspect to to their uh relationship except it's more of a it's more of a mortician morticia uh (laughs) You know, relationship like they're both like into, you know, drinking heavily and guns and fighting people and also, you know, big romance. Right. Um, Sure. Sure. I felt like this movie stuffed a lot in too, right? Like there was definitely a point in this movie where I'm like, aha, we're almost done. Right. And then there's like a whole fourth act after, you know, after the big reveal and sam jackson has made it and now he's a witness uh there's like a whole whole 
bit of the movie. Yeah, after well, it's that. the equivalent of the uh, of the of the of the murderer coming back to life after you think he's dead. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which I think is good. I, I liked that. I also liked speaking of the characterization. Uh, I I was thinking about this that both Ryan Reynolds, who is this kind of he's got this nobility to him where he has this code, right? But he uses that code to guard bad people, to be the bodyguard for bad people. Whereas Sam Jackson has his kind of own code where he's a, he's a cold-blooded assassin, but he pretty much assassinates bad people. Yeah. So he's, they, they kind of have this reverse... And I... Th- so here we'll get into something that I really liked about the movie. I liked when the movie slowed down and walked you through that conflict. And it happens very explicitly and in a very natural way. You know, they're having a conversation about who they are and which side they're on. Uh, and I really, really, really liked that. Like, th- mm-hmm. that... I would say that that scene or those couple scenes in the middle of the movie where it slows down and they talk to one another is unequivocally the reason that I did not hate this movie. Because I didn't hate this movie. I know sometimes when I talk about the things that are negative, it feels like I hate I hate it. But it's just because there, there's a lot of holes in an action comedy about, you know, mm-hmm. having a gun battle on the streets of Amsterdam and The Hague. Um, so... Yeah, um, you know, I did want to call out, it felt, so in a movie that is a little bit overstuffed, it felt weird to me that they had, like, a whole scene about how the bad guys got the medical helicopter, right? Like, and the, again, this is this is me just sort of calling out this thing, but there was, like, a little bit where they go into this hospital and they... Uh, very, they very carefully like get the medical hop- helicopter that they're going to use to evacuate Gary Oldman. Now, that is, it right. felt totally extraneous, right? It was like two minutes that we spent on this that we did not need to spend. Because one, if a medical helicopter shows up to pick up Go- Gary Oldman, I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. They stole a medical helicopter, right? And two, like, we never explain how any of the other pieces get into place, right? It's not like the it's mm-hmm. not like we've mm-hmm. established, oh, we're gonna we're gonna connect all our dots and show all our work, right? So it felt really weird that they were like, We should probably explain where this medical ambulance is coming from. Right? <laughs> that's that's a good point. I didn't even think about that when in the moment, but that's not a that's not a bad point. Uh, one thing I one thing that I did really note, uh, just in the, it's just a, a fleeting moment, but it made me realize that the specificity in this movie really appealed to me and it was during the car chase where at the towards the end when um when Samuel L. Jackson gets in a in a Ford C Max, which I mentioned mentioned last week, yeah, I, it delighted me because that was the car I owned at the time, and uh, and they were fairly big in um, in Europe, and then Ford brought them over here, and I loved it. But um, this car, this poor car, slowly but surely gets disintegrated like yeah pieces of it start falling off and yeah. uh, as it crashes into things and there is a point where the hood he he goes over a bump and the hood flies up over the <laughs> over the car and they included a shot of sam jackson 
looking up in, <laughs> from inside to see the hood up. Yeah. And look, so on the exteriors, when the car is driving through the streets, Sam Jackson's not driving that car. It's some right. sort of stunt driver. But yeah. they included a moment where they, he registers the hood flying up over the over the hood. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know that I am dying to know the process of of that filmmaking decision like is it a thing where it's scripted like is it in the script that like the hood do they know ahead of time and i think this is possible each individual part of the car that falls off as the scene is going do they plan it out that specifically that they know okay at one point the hood's gonna fly up over the over the over the car and uh, and so they have to rig that to happen, but then they also can know ahead of time that they need a, a reaction shot from Sam Jackson to, to like yeah. I don't know. It was a yeah. It was a no, moment that, that made my brain go, "Oh my god, this is this is all brilliant." Yeah, the, it is a good call out. Um, and I will say that one thing I've complained about in the past is action sequences where you can't tell what is going on. And by and large, this avoids that. Like there are Mm -hmm. a bunch of times when I'm like, why is this happening? But there was never really a time where I was like, wait, what just happened? Who, who did that? There were, because there were multiple groups in play. Occasionally you could be like, wait, was that one of the Interpol guys or was that, a Belarusian or was that some other like there there were a lot of moving pieces here and and I will say there was I don't so Amy and I watch RuPaul's Drag Race and there's a very funny point in that there's a drag queen in there who was called Thorgy Thor and she was very much known yeah she was very much known for like always adding more elements and more elements and more elements. And w- there's a note where RuPaul just goes, Thorgy, edit. <laughs> right? And there were, <laughs> there we had a, we just, there were several times in this movie when I was just like, Thorgy, edit. Like, you don't have to put everything in the movie. Like, there are times, there are, mm-hmm. this movie would have been improved by maybe cutting down the cast a little bit, maybe cutting down the action sequence, like, just, like, paring the action sequences down in length or ridiculousness, just to, just to bring them back to earth a little bit, maybe get the movie under two hours, like, just just to kind of tighten it up a little, you know, there's the back and forth relationship between Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson. There's the back and forth relationship between Salma Hayek and Sam Jackson. There's the scenery chewing by Gary Oldman. There's the big back and forth relationship between Ryan Reynolds and his paramour. Like there's a lot in, like they really just put everything in and and I just, Thorgy edit. I I will say that, the movie is under two hours, technically. It's, no way. Uh, it's, is uh, it really? One hour and 58 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, I But I also think that uh, for me, I don't, on this movie, have that problem with it being overstuffed. I thought it was stuffed just the right amount. <laughs> but, but the sequel definitely has that problem because it, in, it includes more cast members, more comedy, more outlandish allowance the outlandish action mm-hmm. and uh and for that for that reason i really didn't like it and uh, notably i did look up the rotten tomatoes scores for these uh-huh. and the um the the sequel rated 
So th- this movie, you're not alone for not loving this movie, by the way. The the tomato meter on the Hitman's Bodyguard was only 43%. So not fresh. Okay. And uh, but the but the tomato meter on the sequel was 26%. Oh my. Very very not fresh. But weirdly, the audience score was higher. Sure. On the sequel, yeah. which I guess leave it to audiences to to love, you know, worse stuff because you never go broke appealing to the lowest common denominator but um the sequel did not make nearly as much money uh either so that i think was was probably a big problem and maybe you know that reflects with the audience score because they only got the people who went to see it because they loved it rather than sure having an actual representative score so uh so yeah speaking of scores you want to go ahead and give yourself give this a score all right, so this is right in the middle for me, uh, for sure. There were things that I did really like about it, and I certainly didn't hate the experience of watching this movie, but I there were a lot of problems. I'm just debating whether it's slightly below or whether it does make it up to five level. Hmm, tough call. Um... Uh, well, I see that I see that beautiful smile of yours, and uh, I'll give it a five. I'll give it a five. It's Aww, yeah, that's good. yeah. I, I mean, I, there there were enough. I got I got a, You know, I enjoyed it. Right? It's fun to look at Salma Hayek. It's fun to listen to Sam Jackson say the f word, and it's it's fun to watch Ryan Reynolds do his. It thing. was fun to see Salma Hayek say the f word. Yeah, <laughs> the, like she. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching her swear. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's your bag. In this movie. Fair enough. All right. No, no, so... no. I didn't know it was before now, but it, but I guess it is. All right. So but, I, uh, I give it okay, a five. Great, a five. I, I definitely am going to go higher than a five. Uh, I think I really enjoyed rewatching this movie, uh, and I think it's a um, it's a solid eight for me. Okay. Uh, I, will re- I will enjoy watching it again in another five years. Mm-hmm. And um, and checking back on these on these guys, um, I wish the sequel had been better. I, I think it kind of didn't need a sequel. I think the sequel was rushed yeah, the... because this movie made money. It, it'd be yeah. nice if it was just a standalone thing. Um, you know what's funny? I did you watch this on Tubi? I did. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I downloaded Tubi to watch this. Yeah. And uh, so and one of the things that Tubi also has is John Wick, which. I'm I'm guessing you haven't seen John Wick. I haven't. I'm familiar yeah. with the concept, so, but Yeah, well, it's certainly gotten a lot of uh, attention. John Wick was this movie that uh it was a Keanu Reeves vehicle and it just is first of all way more violent, lots more killing than in this movie. But was good. Like I remember being kind of shocked at how much I liked watching this kind of symphony of violence uh you know in a in a in a in a Keanu Reeves movie but it is uh, it was very enjoyable and i didn't watch i think i might have seen the sequel but i didn't realize that it was going to spawn three sequels you know as john wick 4 just came out and there's going to be a john wick 5 i think next year okay. or something so it's it's kind of getting to this like fast and furious stage where it's like geez how many of these john wick movies can there be given the uh-huh premise of the first movie so but now that it's on tubi and i guess only for a couple more days i'm probably going to spend the next couple days rewatching uh or or watching john wick two and three at least there you go so i'm catching up on that but i will not assign i really don't think you will like you would like john wick okay considering how much 
blatant death and killing there is sure. in those movies. So I'm going to give you something else. All right. I don't know what yet. Oh, he so doesn't know what do yet. you know what you're going to give me? I do know what I'm going to give you. Yes. Uh, have you ever heard of LCD sound system? Uh, no, no. It, it seems like a dichotomy to me. Uh, okay, so LCD Sound System is a band from Brooklyn. Uh, also came out in the early 2000s. They released uh-huh. a few albums, became wildly, wildly popular, and then very famously broke up on the heels of playing a few shows uh, where they sold out uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, oh. So... A big, if there is such a thing, they were a really big indie band. Uh, even though they weren't particularly indie, they were they were a big deal. They also, after very famously breaking up in 2011, started up again in 2015. They and I I I guess I wish I could explain to you like they made a big deal about breaking up. Like you know how uh-huh. you know how some people are just like. Oh yeah, we got divorced. Oh yeah, it was sad, right? These these are the people that are like, we got divorced. He was cheating on me. It was ridiculous, you know. And like like the people who just spread their mess like all over the internet. That sure, that is sure. what this was. It was like we're gonna have these shows at Madison Square Garden that we're breaking up and we're never making another album again. And then of course, huh. four years later, they made another album and toured again. And and it was it was all like, mm, okay, well, I guess yeah. that's the thing. But anyways, their second album is called Sounds of Silver. I quite like it. It is very electronic and very um, minimalist uh, in the in the uh, repetitive sense. So this is a it's mm. nine songs in fifty six minutes. So this is a little on the long side for you. Um, okay. These are okay. these are not tightly written pop gems, but yeah, go on a longer hike, you know, slightly longer uh, okay. hike, and get into the rhythm of My it. My hikes are over an hour usually. Oh, good. So, yeah, okay, good. so you'll have you'll have time to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think I think you'll dig this. It's uh, it's yeah. sort of body moving music. Uh, it's um, Lyrically, little on the simple side, but uh, understandable. And uh, okay, I, well, don't undersell it before we get going. Oh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not underselling it. I'm just saying that these aren't. Uh, this isn't Gordon Lightfoot, where there's like 700 words that explains how a ship landed on the bottom of the sea, or you know, telling the story of Don Quixote or anything like that. That's all I'm saying. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got so, it. Got it. All right. Very interesting. Uh, I. I think I want to I, I want to do one of two things with you. I want to either give you something a little more. Um, hmm. Did you ever see Castaway with Tom, with Tom Hanks? I did. I love Tom. Okay, Hanks. I figured you did. Did you also see What Lies Beneath? No, isn't it a horror movie? It is a horror movie. Okay. It's a thriller. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to assign you that. The interesting thing about What Lies Beneath it. Is it is the movie that Zemeckis and crew made during uh, the nine movie, months yeah. while they waited for Tom Hanks to lose all his weight okay. to shoot the second half of Castaway. Yeah. Okay. So they shot the first half of Castaway, then they broke that movie to to and then Tom you know waited for Tom Hanks to do his thing, and Zemeckis just took his old crew and went and made another movie. 
uh, and it's What Lies Beneath, which is a Hitchcockian thriller uh, starring Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer, who are two of my very favorite people. Yeah, I didn't yes. know they were in that. Okay. Oh, yes. So uh, I think you're going to like it. I don't know where you're going to find it, but uh, I'm looking forward to talking. I also am looking forward to revisiting this. It's probably been 10 years since I've seen it, and um, but I really enjoyed liking it. And there are some moments of extreme tension uh, in this movie. And uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you think of it. So uh, in the meantime, listener, hey, you... Let us know what you think of the movies we talked about today. Did you like Hitman's Bodyguard more than Matthew? As much as me? More than me? Uh, or did you uh, did you think I was unfair with my uh, with my average rating for... Eh, it wasn't really average. Yeah, I guess a C average rating for <laughs> Tegan and Sarah. Uh, or do you disagree with both of us completely? Let us know by uh, chiming in on our Facebook page. Uh, search for Exposing Ourselves. Or... Write us an email, exposingourselvespodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'd love to talk to you about it. So, hey. Hey. Matthew. Yeah? Thank you for exposing yourself to me. Well, thank you for exposing yourself to me, Travis. Have a lovely week. I enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, you too, bud. All right. Good night. (laughs) Take care.